great to see everybody. Great to hear people hanging out. Now, I would normally just be like, keep on talking, but all the folks watching it from home right now are like, we don't want them to feel bad for missing out on all the good things that are happening in the house of the Lord today. So, hey, can I just say it's good to see you. Uh, when we were thinking about the churches all over America uh, have postponed or did online New Year's Day services, and I just said, you know, it's such a great opportunity to start the, start the year with worship and with hearing from the Word of God with God's people. Amen? And so I'm, I'm just so glad to see you, so glad that you made a point to be here. Um, Nathaniel, where are you at? You're here? You said you're up till two, is that right? And then you got here this morning to, to lead worship with us. And so, thank you, Nathaniel. Appreciate that. Um, so, uh, you'll hear more in the message, but it's been kind of an interesting week in our house and uh, just with sickness going around and all that good stuff. And so, uh, if the message today, it's going to be a little, not like all over the place, but you just better buckle up, okay? Because take your notes, get in there if I hop around a little bit. But um, this passage for today really jumped out to me as I thought about you. I thought about this coming year and, uh, and really all that I believe God has for us as Highlands in the next year in 2023. And so uh, if you're taking notes today, the, the message for today is called The Best Life Can Be. In 2023, every year I try to rhyme it with the year, okay? The best life can be in 2023. And the scripture is out of Psalm 37. And, uh, and so I'd like to read it for you. And just meditate on this as we get started. Let this uh, scripture, the word of the Lord, just penetrate into your hearts and your mind. It says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything to you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Verse 23. For the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning once again. So glad to see you uh, in person. For everyone joining us online, this is a zero judgment zone. You're just missing out on so much good. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, no, we're so glad that you're joining us, whether it's right now from home, like my folks sick in bed, or whether you're watching it on a Wednesday or whatever, we believe that the word of the Lord never returns void. And so what's presented today can make its way from here into eternity. So thanks for joining us. Welcome home. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is David, uh, and I'm the pastor here, one of the pastors here, just really excited to be sharing from the scriptures. As Pastor Jeff shared earlier, it is day one of a new year, and none of this should be a surprise. We've got some really cool, like, bouncy hats popping in. Where are they? I saw them, right? Okay, there, yeah, okay, I see them. Okay, all right. I feel like, uh, you, Ruby, you've, you've got yours hanging out in back as well. This feels good. So it should be no surprise that it is the first day of a new year. And, and while today really is just another day, there's something special about the beginning of a new year, Right? where regardless of what happened yesterday or the day before or the week before or six months before, 
Um, our brains, in our brains, we can now say, oh, well, that, <laughs> that was just last year, right? That was last year. Broke my diet goals after a couple weeks? No prob, that was last year. Didn't stick to my budget? No problem. Bible reading plan collapse after I hit the book of Leviticus? No problem at all. Why? Because it's a new year. It's a new year. I got another shot at achieving my goals. I got another shot at leaving those things behind. I got another shot at being who I want to be and seeing what I long to see. Why? Because it's a new year. A new year, new you. The old is gone. The new has come. And with it, a fresh start. Now, I remember as a kid, we used to get those like yearly calendars. They were about this big, uh, where you'd peel a page off for each day. Anybody remember those calendars? They were awesome. Every morning we'd be excited, we'd wake up to peel it off and find out what the new word of the day was for 1998 or uh, the whatever Bible verse calendar that we had. My favorite was actually, uh, there was a comic I read growing up called The Far Side. Does anyone remember The Far Side? Yeah, all right, we're old, right? This feels good. Um, and, uh, and it was a comic strip that used to be in the Sunday paper. And I tell you what, kids will never truly understand or appreciate how great the Sunday paper was in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? A whole section just for comics. Calvin and Hobbes, anyone? Yeah? There, here we go. Anyway, so we get these daily calendars growing up uh, where, you know, you'd, every day you'd wake up, you'd pull off the old page uh, to see what the day would hold. And day after day, the stack would uh, eventually get smaller and smaller until it finally was the new year. And there was just something so special about waking up on January 1st, tossing out that old plastic frame with a little kickstand, tossing in the trash that you've been dealing with for 365 days, and finally unwrapping a brand new calendar for the coming year, fresh and clean. It was like all that came before could now be boxed up, compartmentalized, and stored away because starting today, it's a clean slate. 365 days of opportunity to grow or shrink, to earn or to give, to achieve or expand, to love and to learn. And really it's just to finally do what you planned and to find the best life can be. And the best life can be, I would say, as I've been thinking about this, is a bit subjective and it, it fluctuates over Time. If you asked me at eight years old what my goals were for the year, like what was the best that life could be at eight, it would be like pizza for dinner every night of the week, right? Sleepovers with friends on school nights with unlimited Mountain Dew and watching The Princess Bride over and over and over again. This is at eight years old. Goals, best life could be at 16. It changes a bit. It would have been getting my driver's license or talking uh, late night phone calls with a girlfriend that I didn't have yet, right? Or like in high school winning my doubles tennis match. These things were goals for me, these like peak life. At 21, it would have been making it in music. We've been chasing that dream hard and having people show up for a sold out concert, having enough money to pay rent and still buy Taco Bell after the bars closed. That was the dream, okay? If you ask me at 25, it would be paying off all that credit card debt. Going back to school, finally passing my finals so I can graduate and hopefully get a job. These are goals. Ask me at 28. It would be getting a raise from that new job, buying a house, finding a wife, and dreaming about getting in shape after all the Taco Bell over and over and over. So listen, from 8 to 28, goals change, and we know that. You know, when I was a child, I reasoned and I spoke like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things, right? Because life changes. 
And our ideas for the best, the pinnacle of what life could be, they shift. And not always for the better as life gets more and more complicated and more and more expensive the older we get. Because man, now life, what is it filled with? It's not filled with Mountain Dew and sleepovers. It's filled with car payments and retirement accounts and trying to pay mortgage in California with kids in school and getting real jobs. And, and even though looking back, right, as I'm looking back, I've reached what I believe the best could be at eight years old, no doubt. I've reached the best of life at 16 and 21 and 25 and 28 and now, and now 41. And even though I've got the house and the raise and the job and the wife and the kids, and even though I've arrived in this place that I've honestly never, ever thought I would reach, it seems like the line for what's best, it just keeps on moving. It just keeps on, it's, it's nebulous and it's always changing. And it feels just always just out of reach, like there's always more to get. There's always more to acquire, always more to buy or pay for or go into debt for, always more to do or produce. There's always more progress to be made. And as I was at home this past week sitting, like forced sitting because we had sick family, I kept asking myself as the new year rapidly approached, I was like, is this just life? Is this just how it goes? Is this just what I should be expecting? Like, is this the best life can be? This constant pursuit of what's next only to get it and then start over. Is there ever an actual best? Is there ever a finish line? Is there ever enough? Is enough ever enough, or does enough eventually become insufficient, and so I need some more? I, I don't know. I got real deep in the midst of sleeping on the couch, okay? <laughs> well, listen, in the midst of processing, I kept coming back to this, this, this question of what do, I, what do I really want from this life? What do I want from this life? What am I, and, and what am I just being told to want by the world? What is really best for me and my family, and what is just more? How can I know? What is the best life can be? Do you know? It is a big question, especially after you were up late with the, watching the ball drop. It's a big question, but I ask it again because it is a new year. It is a new year, and built into our hearts and minds is this yearly belief that things can be different, that things can change. There's a sense of introspection, that we are reminded of the reality of time and how it's fleeting. And as we unwrap the new calendar, we know that we'll only have so many new calendars to unwrap. There's only so many years to discover and live the best life can be before it's gone. And one day, friends, it will be gone. So how will you make the most of your days? How will you choose to live with intention? Because... The reality is this, if you don't choose to live with intention, you'll end up living someone else's intention for you. If you don't decide the life you want most, someone or something else will. Whether it's a project or a problem, a promotion, a monthly payment, a passion or a pleasure, unless you decide what's important, urgency will determine the course of your life. As one year blends to the next, to the next, to the next, and I feel that I feel that seriously, again, from my deeply contemplative state of being home for the week. It, it's just amazing how fast time disappears. It's just amazing. The past three years, even in the midst of good work, God-honoring work, they seem to have just, like, disappeared with the tyranny of the urgent. Which is, again, why I'm coming back around to this question to start the year. Like, what is the best life can be for you and for me in 2023? What do I want to see happen in the next year? What's missing? What's got to go? Because, friends, I don't want the next year 
to just be another series of reactions, chasing what seems to be the next logical step or putting out the next inevitable fire. No, I want to live and respond with intention in 2023 to truly experience the best life can be physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and even financially. And honestly, I'm hoping to do it with you. I'm hoping to do it with you as we follow Jesus together as a church family because here's the thing, I'm convinced that God wants us to experience the best life can be. I am convinced that when Jesus says, follow me, he's just not inviting us from the past into eternity. He's not just inviting us into eternity for later. He's inviting us to live eternally here and now. But he's inviting us to live in a divine lifestyle that echoes the culture of heaven. And I believe that Jesus has given us all the tools in this Christian life to live with purpose and to make the most of every opportunity. Second Peter chapter one, it's gonna be on the screen, it says it like this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious, what's that word? Promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. God has given you and me and all who believe everything we need in the scriptures and through the gift of the Holy Spirit to live with intention and to make the most of this year, to make the most of every year, he has. We just need to, 2 Peter 1, we just need to make every effort to respond to those promises. We need to respond, but what does this mean? It means that we need to decide that the best life can be. The best, the very best life can be isn't found in our pursuit of an outcome, but rather in obedience to his authority and response to his promises. When you give your life to Jesus, friends, everything changes. Everything about you changes, whether you know it at the time or not. And this change God made in you, it affects every area of your life. God's promises touch every single part of your life. From, from your work, to your family, to your money, to your health, to your relationships, to your stewardship, to your sexuality. It affects everything. These promises touch everything. And it's not just for later, it's eternity for now. And Jesus wants to lead you. As we begin this new year, Jesus wants to lead you to your greatest end, and he has given you everything you need. You just need to follow him. God has done the work. He's done all the heavy lifting, and he has presented before you a life that is far beyond all you could ask or imagine. And it's available to you. It's there, but now it's up to you to say yes. To respond to God's promises, like we just read, to take up your cross and to follow him to the best life we can be. And it's this whole life response of, of carrying your cross while you wait for the crown. It's this whole life response that we'll be working through over the next few months as we take a closer look at what Jesus describes as the good life in scriptures. The good life and how to get there. 
And so I just want to encourage you as we continue on in this series, just buckle up, unwrap your calendars, because 2023, it might be the most transformational year of your entire life. It might be the greatest year of your entire life if you would just say yes. Now, okay, with all that said, longest intro ever, before we hit the road today and go get barbecue or whatever your New Year's tradition is, I just wanna lay out a bit of foundation uh, for what we'll be building on over the next few months. It's a broad description or a, a rough roadmap for the good life that Jesus is inviting us into. And it's rooted in what we heard a moment ago from Psalm 37, a passage that will help us create what's called a rule of life, a rule for your life that's truly helps us identify what's truly important. And so I'm gonna read this passage again from Psalm 37. And if you're a Christian, I want you to internalize this scripture as truth, as fact. This is reality for all who believe, for you and for me. The world might tell you one thing about priorities and success, but for God's people, the dream and the road to reach it, it looks just a bit different. And we see it here in Psalm 37, the best life can be. Check this out. And this is a bit expanded from Psalm 37. It says this in verse one. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Verse six. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm, for the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone because, verse 11, the lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich. For the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Wow. Almost done. Verse 18. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent and they receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in the famine, they will have more than enough. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. All right, so what did we just hear? And how can we begin to see this as a bit of a foundation, as a roadmap to, to really seeing the best life can be? Well, in this text, I see it all coming down to like four primary action steps. And you know, in this life, there are things that you do and there are things that happen to you, okay? There's things that you can have a say in. There's these things that just kind of come at you and you have to respond to, okay? These are things that are up to you. These are four things that you can choose to do to experience the good life that God has for you. And there are four things right here. Take a look, it's all on screen. You can trust Delight, commit, and wait. These four steps will take you to your greatest possible end. Trust God, delight in him, commit to him, and then wait for him 
to act on your behalf. I just want to talk about these briefly before we go. Let's take a closer look at, at trust. Verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you, you will live safely in the land and you will prosper. Friends, everything about the good life with God, the good life of faith, is rooted and built on trust. It's trusting that God will is who he says he is, that, he'll, that he did what he said he did, and that he'll do what he says he promises to do. It's all trust. If we don't trust in him, which is different than believing in him, by the way, but if we don't trust in him with your life, you'll never find the life you long for. Why? Because you don't have confidence that he'll actually take you there. And listen, I get this is hard because for some of us, it takes all we got just to believe beyond our doubts. I get that. For others, we got all sorts of trust issues because of things that have happened to us in the past. I get that. We've been burned. We've been hurt. There's trauma. I get that. Still, for others of us, it's less about doubt or past hurt and far more about future control. Future control, y'all. And this is me. I have such a hard time when I feel out of control. Or rather, when I'm the one that's not in control in that given moment. A few months ago, Rebecca and I, we went to Dallas, Texas for a church planning assessment center that we were helping with. And uh, we went with a couple other pastors from Southern California, and, and they rented the car. And this meant that my assigned seat in this car was where? It was in the back. Who likes riding in the back seat? Yeah. Those couple days tested every single measure of God's grace in my life. Listen, because, because I am so used to being the driver. I like to chart the course. I want to control the pace. I want to decide where to turn in my life. I want to drive. I want control. Anybody else want to have control? Thank you, Jane, for your honesty. I love you. But here's the deal. Listen, here's the deal. The one thing that has become increasingly clear over the past few years is that our perceived control is, is really just an illusion. We can plan, we can prepare, we can work and get behind the steering wheel of life believing we got all this stuff figured out, but our control will only take us so far because we do not live in a vacuum. Our world is a complex system filled with countless variables just waiting to disrupt our best laid plans. From sickness, to recession, to pandemics, to friendship and careers, and even our own, honestly, even our own poor decisions, right? We can work so hard for an outcome only to have it interrupted by the plans of another. And this is life, which is why it's so important for us as God's people to, to place our trust in someone that actually has the power to be trustworthy Someone that actually has control of all things and holds the universe, the entire universe together in perfect harmony. And that person is Jesus, right? Amen. And if you trust him for heaven, then you gotta trust him for today because he will be faithful to finish what he started. So what does that look like? How do we trust God more? How can I get comfortable in the back seat while he's driving me to the good life? Well, that's where the second step comes in. Second step, as you begin to trust, you must also choose to delight. Verse 4 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Now, what does this mean? Because it seems an awful lot like perhaps Jesus is like this genie just waiting around to give us what we believe the best life would be. But that's not actually, couldn't be any further from the truth. What verse 4 is actually saying is the more you delight in Jesus, 
The more you trust him and enjoy him and spend time with God, something unexpected begins to happen in you. And maybe you've experienced this, but it's a process that's called sanctification, where God opens your eyes to what really matters. God opens your eyes to what's truly important. He shows you what satisfies and will bring lasting significance to your life. Then he supernaturally replaces what you thought was best. This is amazing what God does. He supernaturally replaces what you thought was paramount in your life, what you thought would be the best life could be what truly, with what truly is the good life according to him. This is what God does through the power of his spirit, and none of it can happen without trusting him, but you can't grow in your trust of him unless you, unless you delight in him. But again, the more you spend time with him, the more you begin to care about the things he cares about. And all those other things that you so desperately wanted to achieve or have control over in your life, they somehow grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's kind of like um, when, when God first opened my eyes to Rebecca my amazing wife. I had been chasing all sorts of love wherever I could find it. I wanted so badly to find a partner to share this life with, to care for me and to care about. And I searched, y'all, and I had some options. But they were always floating kind of in and out of my heart and, and mind. But these options, I tended to see them from the lens of control. Not in like an aggressively weird way, but just like I, I, I saw them through the lens of what I believed would complement me the most and make my life the best. And there's nothing wrong, friends, with being picky in relationships. You, you only want it to work once. But y'all, I wasn't seeing them for what I could give them, I was seeing them for what I could get, and that is until God opened my eyes to see Becca. And my heart's desires were replaced, my heart's desire for companionship was replaced with God's desire, his heart for covenant relationship. And my whole vision for relationship changed. When God gave me Rebecca, it was no longer what I could get from someone. It was about who we could be together. And this is what happens when we delight. With sanctification, you allow God to shape you and form you and lead you into his way as he creates new priorities and new plans and new vision and new dreams for the good life. And that's step number two. We must delight in the Lord. We need to spend time with God to discover why he is trustworthy and true. And then we must choose to trust him and learn to trust him again, which brings us up to step three. We're getting there. Step three on the road to the good life with Jesus, and that is commitment. We must commit. Verse five says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like a noonday sun. Commitment, friends, is hard in our society today. It probably always has been, but it's especially hard today because it locks us into something, something that, that often lets us down. From cell phone contracts to relationships to careers to car leases to, you know, commitment is hard. It is hard, especially when we start to feel out of control. Commitment is hard because we are willingly forfeiting our personal rights for the opportunity to be a part of something bigger with potential for it to be incredible. But friends, as we all know, there's still this risk that, that it might not pan out. Like what if my commitment means that I can't do what I want whenever I wanna do it? What if my commitment prevents me from being me and chasing my hopes and dreams? What if my commitment prevents me from, from 
from going after what's fun or pleasurable or meaningful or pursuing my passions. And we so often in our lives, we so often sign all sorts of prenups to our commitments, right? Prenups to our commitments in our hearts and minds just in case our commitments start to suffocate us. They start to hold us back, our desire, our ambition. But let me just say this one more time for good measure because I got you. It's Christmas, or it's, no, it's New Year's. <laughs> the, the last week disappeared. Let me just say this one more time for good measure. Your greatest possible life, your greatest life is only found in obedience to Jesus. Full stop. You will never find greater purpose or significance. Joy, peace, patience, satisfaction, independent of trusting God, delighting in his presence, and committing to his way. It just won't happen. And I need you to know, you might find some really cool stuff out there in the world without God. No doubt. We see all sorts of successful people doing all sorts of cool things, but I need you to understand that will never satisfy your longings. It will be that ever-elusive line of success that keeps shifting as the years pass, always wanting but never arriving. The only way you'll ever find the best life can be is in commitment to Jesus. So verse 5, one more time. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Now somebody tell me, real quick. What does everything include? Okay. All right. All right. You're with me. All right. What, what it, hold on. This is a better one. This is a trick one. What isn't included in everything? Nothing. God wants everything about you to be committed to him. For his glory. So the world might see him through your life. Commit everything you do to the Lord. But pastor, ah, oh, pastor, what if trusting God and delighting in him and committing my life to him, what if everything I do, what if, I get, what if it leaves me poor? What, what, if it, what if it leaves me alone? What if my greatest desire is to be married and what if my trusting God leaves me alone and single for the rest of my life? What if God asked me to deny parts of me? Things that the world says is totally fine, but I read in the scriptures and I'm just like, I don't know what to do about this. What if God, what if following Jesus asked me to leave things behind that I thought defined me? What if me committing to Jesus doesn't result in what I would describe or what the world would describe as the good life? Then what? These are, these are really reasonable questions. And these, these questions are actually why so many people have a hard time really giving their life to Jesus. Because they keep thinking about control. They keep thinking about, well, well, if I hand all this stuff over, what if it doesn't pan out the way I want? That's why we need to look back to verse 5 when it says this. You need to just trust him and he will help you. That's the promise for God's people. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Verse 18. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. But pastor, no, listen, your inheritance is not of this world. It is in the world to come. And they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. When you commit to God, this isn't a one-sided deal. No, when you commit to God, God doubles down with covenant. He will help you. You will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. Even in famine, you will have more than enough. God will direct your steps if you let him and, and, and delight in every detail of your life. Even when you stumble, you will never fall for Jesus holds you by the hand. This is the promise of the good life. 
And we trust, and we delight, and we commit to him, the author and perfecter of our faith, which leads us to our final step. Step four, which is probably the hardest for me. All of these are hard, aren't they? But the hardest one for me is, is this, and that's just waiting. Who likes to wait for anything, right? Who likes to wait for their coffee in the morning? I don't. I want it like that, right? Who likes to wait for, for movies to load? Who likes to wait for traffic? Who likes to wait for anything? I hate waiting. Why? Is it because I'm impatient? Maybe. But even more so, it's because, again, I feel like I'm out of control. Like I'm out of control when I have to wait for someone or something. Because I'm a self-starter. I'm a pioneer. I'm a, I like to make things happen. I like to find solutions. I like to push endings forward. It's what I do. Still, even in my natural disposition, the gifting that God has given me of go, 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 what I'm learning is on the road with Jesus, he does not need me to make things happen. God does not need me to make things happen. He just wants me to trust him and delight in him and commit to him every step of the way. Because ultimately, he is God and I am not God. And yes, he wants to use me, just like he wants to use you for all sorts of amazing things. And he made us with brains and skill sets to go and show the world what he is like in ways only we can. And yes, he wants us to work hard. He wants us to work hard. He wants us to work hard and make the most of every opportunity presented before us. But what I'm learning, again, as the calendar rolls over, is that as a Christian, I am not responsible for the outcome of this life. I'm not responsible to force my future out onto the world. I just need to be obedient. I need to be obedient on this journey with him. That's why verse seven says it like this, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about the evil people who prosper or fret with their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm, for the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Those who trust in the Lord will find the good life, this side of heaven or the next. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone, because the lowly will possess the land and live in peace, prosperity. And listen, I understand there's a pressure that we all feel especially here in Los Angeles. I was telling the team earlier, there's just different pressures in the Midwest, a different pace of life. But here in California, in Southern California, there's this pressure to be someone or to do something that matters, to control or create or claim a destiny for who we are and who we'll be. And I, I know, even as Christians, there's this push and pull that we all feel from outside expectations to achieve and to acquire and climb as high as your aspirations will take you. I get it. I'm just tired of it. I, I'm tired of it, and so is God. And deep down, I know you're tired of it too. But we can be different, friends. We can experience a better way. We can experience a better way, and I believe that Jesus is inviting all of us into this difference in 2023, that we would all find the good life as we choose to trust him with everything, as we delight in him, as he changes our heart for the future and redefines success for today, as we commit to him with all we do and all we are, and finally, as we wait on him to act 
as he leads us to our greatest end. We always, we can't always control what comes at us. But these things, these action steps, these are up to us. We can't always control what we experience, but we can control how we'll respond. We choose to trust, to delight and commit, and finally, to wait on him. And I, and I hope that, listen, I hope that you'll join me in this next year in making this next year the best year of your entire life. Independent of anything you achieve or acquire, independent of any success or accomplishments, but simply based on the fact that you gave everything to Jesus. And your faith has never been stronger. So I hope you'll join me. But even, but even if you're on the fence with some of this stuff, you know, following Jesus, like you're at church, someone, someone brought you, had brunch afterwards, whatever, I get that. Um, if you're on the fence with like this, this, this trust and delight, if you're on this journey with all of us, the reality remains the same, that this year will pass. It will pass fast, with or without intention. So the, the question I wanna leave you with in spite of all of this, is what do you actually want your life to be like this year? What are some of the goals that you might have? And I actually, I printed this out, and it's probably on every other chair or something, but you probably saw it as you came in, it's sitting on your chair. I just encourage you to pick it up and kind of wave it around for a second. Little fans, little fans, perfect. But as far as it depends on you, what is the best life can be? As far as it depends on you, as I was thinking about this, I'm gonna fill this out, I'm gonna put it on my bathroom mirror so every morning when I'm brushing my teeth and thinking about flossing, you know what I'm saying? Thinking about flossing, I'll be reminded of the best life can be as I give my life to Jesus again and again. So as I think about this next year, I'm gonna write these down. Uh, I'm praying in the next year that I'll learn to rest well and find a hobby. I don't have a hobby. Everything I love doing is here. I think I just need something, you know? I need a hobby. If you have any ideas, let me know. In the next year, I hope to be more active so I can play with my kids more, especially as I find rest in my life again. I hope to grow in my delight of the Lord this year, and not just randomly, but through the scriptures and, and through prayer and through worship. I wanna spend more time with my parents this year. If you're watching, lucky you guys. I wanna figure out a real budget here in Los Angeles because it's expensive to live here, guys. And I, and I wanna have a weekly intentional time with my wife that's independent of our kids and our job. These are just simple things, right? The best that life can be. But what about you? You know, as I, I dream about the next year, these are some of my goals, but if you could project yourself one year from now, after walking faithfully with Jesus for another 365 pages of a calendar, what would you want your life to look like? What changes would you like to see? What would you like to experience? I just encourage you to write it down. Encourage you to write it down because friends, in the next, the next year is just gonna fly by. And if we're not focused and if we're not intentional with our days, honestly, we're gonna miss it. We're gonna miss it. And so write it down. Write it down. Because God wants to help you make the most of your life. He does. And if you trust him, if you delight in him, if you commit and then take time to be still and wait for him, friends, he is gonna totally blow your mind. In this next year, in this next year, if you really pursue the best life can be, I promise you, you will experience things that far exceed anything you could ask or imagine. So it's the new year, day one. We made it. New year, new you.
what is the best life can be? Let's discover together the good life. Amen? All right, we're going to close in a song, and so, Nathaniel, you want to come up, and Tracy, it's just a song that will close us with focus, okay? And, um, and it's such a great opportunity for you to just take a moment to consider, to think, what is the best life can be as we follow Jesus together? What is this good life as we commit to trusting God with our lives? What is, what is the good life as we choose to delight in him and allow his heart to replace ours? What are some of these things that we might see and experience? What are some of the dreams that we might have? And so just take a minute to, to think about this. I'm gonna pray for you, and we're gonna sing, and then we're gonna go, and, and we're gonna have a great New Year's whatever. Uh, but just really grateful that you decided to join us today. And uh, let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe that you're real, that you're good, that you love us, and you lead to peace. We ask that you would just be with us now as we, as we pray, as we process, as we think, as we worship, as we think about this next year and all that, that you might have for us, God, we ask that you would just open our eyes to the good life, to all the things that might happen, that might come, as we give our lives again to you and your lead. And so, Jesus, we thank you again for today. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for another year, another turn of the calendar. And today, God, we just ask that you would just continue to work on us. So, Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. And we all say,